0: Thank you for gathering together tonight to bring in the new year and uh, to celebrate communion together. As we partake of communion, I want to focus on Christ's worthiness. We know that we are unworthy individuals, but because Christ is worthy, he makes us worthy. And it's Christ's worthiness that I want to focus upon this evening. If you look with me at Revelation chapter 5, hopefully you're still there, we notice that this passage centers upon the worthiness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you will note, the word worthy is very prominent throughout this chapter. If you look at verse 2, it says, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Verse four and I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Verse nine. And they sang a new song saying, "Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals." And verse 12, saying with loud voice, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." So you can see worthiness is the focal point of Revelation chapter 5. So the question is, what do we learn about the worthiness of Christ from this particular portion of Scripture? Well, first we learn of the uniqueness of Christ's worthiness. No one in all creation is worthy of the honor and glory that belongs to Christ. As the passage opens, we are given a glimpse into heaven, with God seated on the throne, holding a scroll that was written on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. Verse 1, then I saw in the right hand of him who's seated on the throne a scroll written and uh, on the back, sealed with seven seals. So we begin by asking, what's the significance of this, this scroll? Well, as the seals are opened, we find that the scroll contains the plan of God for all the ages. It centers upon God's justice, God's judgment, and God's restoration of creation. A plan that is further revealed in chapters 6 through 22. A plan that is immense and detailed, as seen in that the scroll contains writing on both sides. A scroll. Written on both sides was extremely rare, not common at all, for writing upon both sides of a scroll made it very difficult to unfurl and read, having to flip it back and forth and you can imagine how complicated that would be. So the scroll itself is unique. But a search was made to find someone who was worthy to open the scroll, verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Again, the key word being worthy. Worthy in what sense? Well, worthy in a moral sense, and also worthy in the sense of bearing the authority to open that seal. This was a, a mighty angel, it tells us in verse 2. But the mighty angel was not worthy. Who would be worthy to open the scroll? Well, a search is undertaken, and there is no one found anywhere that was worthy to open the scroll. Verse 1. Excuse me, verse 3. An exhaustive search was made, but no one was found worthy. Verse 3. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. No angel was worthy. No Old Testament prophet was worthy. No king was worthy. No apostle was worthy. No one was worthy. There was not a worthy creature to be found anywhere. The fact that no one was worthy was a source of great sorrow in verse 4 it says and I began to weep loudly loudly why? because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it the weeping resulted from a sense of hopelessness it appeared that this scroll would never be unfurled the plan of God would never be revealed and more than that the plan of God would not be accomplished. All would be lost. For there was no one worthy to implement and to accomplish this plan of God. And then lo and behold, there is someone worthy after all. Someone was found to open the scroll. Christ, like a lion, had conquered sin and evil, verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, conquered sin and evil so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And now we have a statement of irony. That is, Christ, the conqueror, The lion of the tribe of Judah is now pictured as a lamb. Verse 6. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. This conquering lion in his battle turns out to be a lamb. And he conquers by being slain. By being put to death. By being crucified. Because of course he is going to rise from the dead. And so Christ indeed takes the scroll from God the Father, verse 7, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. When Christ takes the scrolls, others bow down before him, verse 8, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the four Twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. So we learn that Christ is unique in his worthiness. Second, we learn the reason that Christ is worthy to open these scrolls. What about it makes Christ worthy? Well, first, Christ is worthy because of his sacrificial death upon the cross, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, now here's the reason, for you were slain. For you were slain. Speaking of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and his being sacrificed on the cross was the epitome of Christ's submissiveness to the will of the Father. Even as he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, not my will, but yours be done. Here was the incredible manifestation of absolute righteousness in not looking out for his own interest, his own desire, but fulfilling that of the Father. Philippians 2 says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Here is this supreme humility, Of God the Son, taking on this role. Verse 9 says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of this sacrificial death, he is worthy. And it says in verse 10 that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Christ is worthy because of what his sacrificial death accomplished. The death of the lamb paid for the sin of God's people, bringing them into a right relationship with God, verse 9 of chapter 5. They sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And now we see what that death accomplished, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. To be ransomed is to pay a debt. The debt is one of sin, a debt that we could not pay ourselves. But because he was worthy, his shed blood paid the penalty for our sin for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He ransomed us, He made us a people for God. We are bought with a price the price of Christ's own blood, and we belong to God as a result. Now we find out that God's people does not just consist of Jewish people, but people from every ethnic group imaginable, verse 9. I'll start in the middle of the verse. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So peoples from every ethnic group benefit from this sacrificial death of the lord jesus christ he has made them all acceptable to god the father the death of the lamb brought together a people over whom god would reign verse 10 and you have been and you have made them a kingdom a kingdom so that god's people are viewed as subjects of the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who sits on the throne. So we are his people. We are his subjects. We are under his reign. We are under his authority. That speaks both of responsibility and duty and also blessing for this. God watches over us and protects us, fights for us, gives us all that we need. He's the perfect king. He's made us a kingdom. And in verse 10, he's made us priests to our God. That is, now we have the privilege of serving him and engaging in spiritual duties, interceding for others, ministering to God and to God's people. And then God's people will be vice-regents on the earth. Notice at the end of verse 10 it says, and they shall reign on the earth. So now we are given a position of being vice-regents on this earth, reigning under the authority of God, ruling in justice and righteousness. But notice, if you will, in verse 10, there is a switch in verb tenses where it says in verse 10, in the first part, you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, past tense. This has already been accomplished. By the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been ransomed, we have been bought, we've been brought into a relationship with God. He rules over us. We are his people. We are his priests. But notice the second half of the verse is future. And they shall reign. On the earth, We're looking forward to the time in which the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And when he returns, he will set up his kingdom. And when he sets up his kingdom, we rule with him. That's future. The third thing I want you to see in this text is we learn that the righteousness, the worthiness of Christ, is widely proclaimed. The worthiness of Christ is widely proclaimed. It begins by the worthiness of Christ being proclaimed by a host of angels, verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands. This huge, angelic symphony that is proclaiming something. And the worthiness is proclaimed loudly for all to hear. Verse 12. Saying with a loud voice. You can only imagine a multitude of myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, all speaking at once, all with the same message, all with a loud voice. It must be thundering. And what do they thunder? Verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then every creature joins in in proclaiming Christ's worthiness. It begins with the angels, but it spreads... To all created beings. Look at verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here we find that every created being, whether angelic, whether it be human, whatever the case may be, everyone will proclaim the glory of Christ. Now number four, and this is by far the most significant. And that is, we learn that Christ is worthy of being worshipped even as God the Father is worshipped. Let me say that again. We learn that Christ is worthy of being worshipped even as God the Father is worshipped. Glory is ascribed both to God the Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying, now notice what they say, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So this honor, this glory, is attributable to both the one who sits on the throne, which is the Father, and to the Lamb, who is the Son of God. Now in the scriptures, God's glory is strictly forbidden to be ascribed to anyone else. God is a jealous God. And it is strictly forbidden to ascribe to anyone other than God, God's glory. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. God says, my glory is my glory, and I will give it to no other. But here we see glory ascribed to both the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God the Father is not blasphemed by the glory that is given to Christ. Rather, God the Father's glory is enhanced through the glory that is given to Christ. Philippians 2:11 And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acknowledging the Lordship of Christ brings glory to the Father. It's a glorious thing that the Trinity is involved in our salvation. That God sent forth his son Born of a woman, born under the law, the Father is glorified, the Son is glorified, the Holy Spirit is glorified in the great redemption that we enjoy. But we're focusing tonight on the worthiness of Christ. And what I want you to see is the very same worship of God is extended to the Lamb. Look at verse 14. And the living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The fact that Christ is worshipped right along with the heavenly Father is incredibly significant. Jehovah's Witnesses think that we are blaspheming God the Father by our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ they do not view him worthy of being associated with being made equal with God the Father and so their view is that we are blasphemy. well nothing could be farther from the truth for here we see that Jesus Christ is worshipped not only on the earth but in heaven Not by some misguided Christians, but by every created being throughout the entire universe is worshiping the Lamb. Here is real evidence that Christ is truly God, for God is only. To be worshipped. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 22. This is coming at the end of the. Revelation that. John has been given. And as this. Revelation comes to a close. Notice the words of Revelation 22. Starting at verse 8. I John. And the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship, same word, at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. And then notice the last statement. Worship God. Worship God. This angel says, only God is to be worshipped. I am not worthy. No prophet is worthy. No one is worthy. Only God is worthy. And yet, the Lamb is worthy. Therefore, the Lamb is God. The Lamb is God. We are right to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For he is the embodiment of the second person of the Godhead. He is divine. He is God. That is not the disillusionment of the church. That is the declaration of heaven itself. Christ is worthy. So as we go to communion tonight, let us enter into the taking of communion with a real spirit of true worship recognizing that without Christ's death to ransom us, we are unworthy to be called the people of God. But Christ, because he is worthy, makes us worthy to become the people of God. Christ bought us to be a people over whom God reigns. May we worship Christ, not just with our lips, But may we truly bow down before him, even as they are bowing the knee in the book of Revelation, a symbol of submission and obedience. May we ascribe to Christ his true worthiness in the way in which we respond to him. Listen to what it says concerning the person of Christ. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive, to receive, to be ascribed these characteristics. This is the way that we are to think of Christ. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, and glory, and blessing. Power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing, to mention a few. As we enter into this new year, may our lives reflect a recognition of the worthiness of Christ, what he has done for us, and what it means that he reigns and rules over us. May we live our lives with confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus. May we flesh out these characteristics or attributes that have been ascribed to him so that in our weakness, may we honor and glorify Christ in seeing his strength. In our spiritual poverty, may we rejoice in Christ's riches. In our lack of understanding, may we marvel at Christ's wisdom. In our inability to overcome the sin in our lives, may we be grateful that Christ has conquered sin and death. May we honor Christ in giving him through preeminence in all things. May we glorify Christ in exalting his name. And may we bless Christ in extolling the virtues and goodness and all that he has done for us. Indeed, may Jesus Christ be be praised. So as we enter into communion and we reflect on the Lamb that was slain, let us worship him. Let's pray. Almighty God, lead us in our worship of Christ as we partake of communion. We are thankful that the Lamb who was slain is worthy of all honor and all praise, all glory, all worship. For it's in Jesus' name we come through him, for he has made us worthy. It's in his name we pray. Amen.